Survivor 46 is here, and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast, and we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Vyadaris, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcasts. It's only a kick, a jump, a block, it's only a serve, it's only a tackle, a run, it's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Welcome to the Tell It Abs It Is podcast, your home for everything Colorado Avalanche on the Hockey Podcast Network. Here's your hosts, Griffin Youngs and Christian Boulay. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to another edition of the Tell It Abs It Is podcast on the Hockey Podcast Network. I'm Griffin Youngs, joined by Christian Boulay. As always, with a lot to talk about and seemingly not enough time to even talk about all of it, the Avs win all three games since the last episode. They beat the San Jose Sharks, they beat the LA Kings, and they beat the Anaheim Ducks. The last two, you can argue they shouldn't have, but they did. They got the job done in a very, very strange game against the Kings and have a 2-0 lead on the Ducks, go down 4-2, come back to tie it at four and win it in overtime off of three straight power play goals. But the big story of this episode is Miko Rantanen, without question. He hits 50, he hits 51, he hits 52, he also hits 53, and he also hits 100 points over the course of these three games. And my God, does he deserve it after this season? Yeah, I mean, Miko Rantanen was the story of this California road trip. Um, the All three of these games were just, outside of that second Sharks one, the wildest games I, I think we've had all year. Like, they were edge-of-your-seat entertainment, and somehow the Avs won all three. Yeah, I really don't know how they managed to pull out that Kings game, but they did. And they managed to salvage that Ducks game from the fire and not lose to a team that had lost nine in a row at that point. But they somehow got it done. We can start with the Sharks game because I feel like we can kind of rush through that pretty quickly. Miko Rantanen late in the first period, finally on the rebound of a Nathan McKinnon shot, hits 50. You can see the weight being lifted off of his shoulders. Great moment and did not take long for him to just start embarrassing goalies again after that. Yeah, it didn't take long. This was uh this goal was probably like of all the chances he had in San Jose, I thought this was the least likely to go in. And of course it's the one that goes in. So <laughs> that's just how it goes uh for Miko Rantanen. It was a good play by Nathan McKinnon, gets the puck on net. McKinnon just bats one in uh to Rantanen and Rantanen makes a makes a good goal uh to get his 50th, ties the game at one. Um, and then, like you said, after that, Miko Ranston just decided, yeah, uh, I'm a 50-goal scorer now, and you can't stop me. Yeah, and 
on the exact day 20 years ago, Milan Hayduke hit 50 goals, the last 50 goal score for the Avs. Miko Ranston does it on the same day, also hits 51, a nasty setup from Evan Rodriguez. And Rantanen just disrespects poor Capo Kakinen with this backhand to the roof for 51. Nathan McKinnon, after hitting 100 points himself, is making a real push at 40. He's at 39 right now. He gets his 37th here to make it 3-1. Then the hat trick for Miko Rantanen, because of course he did in this game. Of course he did. He's just that good. Yeah. He's just that good. And Capo Kakinen had a great game uh, on Tuesday against the Avs. Not his best performance in this game. That was more the Capo Kakinen we've seen all year long. Yeah, unsustainable, you can say, in his first game against the Avs. He gets torched in this game. He gets pulled. James Reimer comes in. And unexpected contributor, Ben Myers, gets back on the board for the first time since Minnesota in October. His first goal on a shot, even. His second goal of the season with about five minutes to go in the second period. He's finally back on the board and decides he's feeling it for another one. He finishes the night with two goals, Miko Rantanen gets the hat trick. McKinnon with a four-point night of his own again. I mean, McKinnon and Rantanen on this entire road trip, just absolutely walking teams, except for one in L.A., which we'll get to. <laughs> but outside of the L.A. game, just casual three, four-point nights, hat tricks across the board, just teams like the Sharks and the Ducks just don't have a lot to contain these guys. No, they don't. And it was very evident. I wish uh, this game would have been a repeat of the game in Anaheim, but it it just wasn't. And McKinnon and Rantanen, I, I mean, what else can you say about those two? Like, they're going to go down as franchise greats. Yeah, they're going to go down as franchise greats, arguably potentially Hall of Famers in the future if they can keep this up. Miko Rantanen, the first 50 finished goal scorer, and a couple of nights later, he hits 100 points of his own in Anaheim. The first time the Avs have had 200-point scores since their first season in Colorado. You might have heard of these guys, Joe Sackick, Peter Forsberg. They were pretty good players as well. The Avs also won the Cup that season. Pretty good omens for what's to come. But this Sharks game, there's not a lot to talk about with the game itself. It was not interesting. The Avalanche dominated this game. You get the milestones for Miko Ranson and Nathan McKinnon stays red hot himself and the sharks they can't get a repeat performance from capo kakinen and they lose big time which sets us up for la which did not go that well but somehow the avalanche come out of that with two points you come into the game missing half of your defense bo byram is out sick does not play either game against la or anaheim kale mccarr still out timeline is indefinitely but kind of day-to-day at the moment. He'll be back for the playoffs. I don't have any concern about that. But no Byram, no Manson, and no Makar in this game. The Avalanche missing a lot of bodies. And in the first period of this game, the Kings torched them. The first period was not close, and Alex Georgiev, probably one of his best periods of the season as the Avalanche are outshot 18-4. to in the first 20 minutes of this game. And he single-handedly, single-handedly kept the Kings off the board in this game tied. Dude, that first period was 
I've been watching Avs hockey for a long time. I remember the dark days of 2016. That was one of the worst periods of hockey I think I've ever seen a team play. Like it was so bad outside of Alexander Georgiev. And I, I for one was shocked. It was still tied zero, zero going into the second period. That was no joke. One of the worst periods of all time. Yeah. Without question. One of the worst periods this team has played almost like they were missing six important players and they're finally not playing a basement dweller. Kings are a very, very good team. They're not the sharks and they're not the ducks. And when you're missing, Going to go through the list again. Kale McCarr, Josh Manson, Bo Byram, Gabe Landeskog, Arturi Lekkinen, and Darren Helm. You're eventually going to start to see those results come up on the ice. And it helps that you have who someone who has turned into one of the best goalies in the NHL this season, Alex Georgiev. And somehow after all of this early in the second period, the Avs got on the board first. It was, didn't we even have a power play in the first period too? And it was just so bad. Like, had a we had a power play, power play and, right? Am, am I and, remembering that right? And it's funny because I did not remember it until you brought it up, which I feel like describes the power play. Nothing happened. I want to say the Kings got a two on zero uh, shorthanded <laughs> on that power play. I want to say that happened. Um, but yeah, you go into the second period. The good news was that it couldn't get much worse than that. Like they set the bar pretty low for themselves. So any effort in the second period was going to be better. I wouldn't say that it was a much better period in the second period, but they got lucky. I mean, that Dennis Mulgan goal to get the abs on the board first was by far the luckiest goal of the year. Like we will not have another goal like that. If you gave Dennis Mulgan 10,000 tries to do that again, you try to set up that shot where it's a JT Comfer shot from the point. Mulgan tips it high off the glass, off the top of the net, off Copley, and somehow he pushes that back into his own net, like the pinball of a lifetime. And somehow the Avs get on the board first in this game on only their fifth shot on goal. And Dennis Mulgan, he finishes the night with two goals. And the Avalanche in this game, they got nothing from their top line. Absolutely nothing. You can argue one of their worst games of the season. And the Kings did a very good job at recognizing the fact that the Avs don't have a lot of talent to spread around at the moment and very much honed in on McKinnon and Ranton and all night. Yet they get goals from Malgan, like we talk about here. Alex Newhook finally gets back on the board. Brad Hunt with an absolute laser beam of a slap shot who apparently just only scores huge goals this season. That's all Brad Hunt does is just score massive goals. And then Dennis Malgan again. And somehow they walk out of this game with a regulation win where they had no business doing so. No business. I, I did want to touch on the Newhook part of it. I mean, what Alex Newhook has gone through these past 15, 20 games before he scored, it's not like he was playing bad hockey. Like the chances were there for him. Um, and he just couldn't get one past the goalie. But I believe it was Gabrikov was chasing him down on this play and he literally just fell. Like yeah. he just fell. Just falls. He, he just fell. <laughs> yeah, he just falls. Uh, Newhook gets just an easy breakaway, waits out Copley, beats him five hole, abs up two nothing. And me and you were texting and we're like, there's no, no. way we should be winning this game. No, no, no way in hell we should be winning this game. But I did want to touch on this too, um, because it's been grinding my gears and I want to get your thought on it. I get that LA is a super popular place and I get they have a lot of sports teams, 
but can we please stop with the basketball game before the hockey game? Like it's, there's no way that ice is suitable to play. There's just no way. Ice genuinely sucked in this game. It's probably some of the worst ice we've seen all season. There was one where the Kings were developing a two on one and the puck just dies. Like just hits a rut in the ice and the entire rush just dies. Like it, it screwed the, the Kings over more than it did the app. But can we at least stop doing this where it's the basketball game first? Do the hockey game first because then at least the ice gets covered. Like it, it just makes no sense that there were th- two other sporting events played in 24 hours bef- on that ice before the abs and Kings played. Yeah. Like I get it. I get that's going to happen sometimes, but I feel like in Denver at least – it's staggered where the hockey game's first and then the basketball or lacrosse game is after the hockey game. Because that just makes so, sense. You can't melt wood. You can't melt a basketball. Right. The floor is the floor, and you're trying to simulate ice indoors, and it's hard to do that when you're frantically assembling it with two hours to go before the game. Yeah, and it's like, to me, like, I get it. They love it because then they get to do the sweet like Twitter videos of the time lapse of it changing and they get all that engagement, but just do it the opposite way. Just do the abs. I would have been totally fine if this game happened at 2 PM my time. And then the basketball games at 8 PM. Like I would have been totally cool with that, but instead you do it the opposite way. And the ice is absolute dog shit. And luckily it, it didn't cost the abs, but it definitely cost the Kings in this game. Because I think if that's good ice, I don't think Gabrikov falls there. I don't. Oh. And Definitely new hook gets a new. It, that's how it. That's how it went. It, it was. It it drives me crazy. Like I get it. L.A. has a ton of sports teams, and they only have one arena. But come on, man. Like th- that's just it drives me crazy, and it grinds my gears. And that's my rant for this episode. I think to be fair, Gavrikov was not going to catch Newhook anyway, but to have the defender completely removed from the play definitely changes Newhook's path to the net for certain. And I feel very bad for the team that's going to play the Kings in the playoffs or just for that series as a whole, because it looks like, to my knowledge, both the Clippers and the Lakers are going to make the playoffs. I don't follow NBA that They both did. Yeah, they both did. Playoffs and the Kings are clinched too. This could be very much, we'll talk about this more. This could very much be our problem this time in a week or so, but you're right. The the ice in this game was total garbage, but the Kings also battled back in this game as well after Alex Newhook gave the abs a 2-0 lead. Adrian Kempe, my opinion, most underrated player in the NHL, had himself a, a superstar game, scores a fantastic goal, pulling the buck from backhand to forehand and beating Georgiev far side. The Kings get a power play pretty late in the period and they tie this game off of a bounce of Devontae's skates after he's using JT comp for stick or, and I forget who scored it. It was Victor Arvidsson. Was it, who, I follow it might've been Arvidsson. I think it was Arvidsson who made it a two, two game. So the abs blow a two, nothing lead in the second period. But you are also stunned that you come out of that period tied. Somehow the Kings it, score two goals and you're tied, which is right. ridiculous for how the Avs were playing. The second period was not good, but they scored two no. goals, so it didn't matter. Did not matter. I think they had, after the second period, like 12 shots total. Um, and if you are the Kings, 11. the one thing that's – was it 11? If you're the Kings, the one thing that scares you still with this team – is goaltending man like 
it's just like it's the biggest equalizer in every playoff series and their goaltending has gotten better yeah to be fair phoenix copley is not playing in the playoffs and i'm honestly why they played him in this game but go ahead i mean they had lost like three or four in a row so maybe that's why but it's it, it could be the Achilles heel for this team because the Kings are a very good hockey team. Like they play a good defensive structure. Their defensive forwards are also great offensively in Kopitar and Deneau, but their goaltending could be the demise of them. And their penalty kill is not great. It's not great. Um, so if you're a Kings fan listening to this, which I don't know why you would, but um, that has to be the fear. And like you said, the, the only reason why the Avs won this game is because of Alexander Georgiev that's legitimately the only reason and they got um standing performance from georgiev and they got a playoff game type depth performance from a lot of people where you had dennis malgan decide he's going to get a couple bounces his way new hook back on the board brad hunt with just like i said an absolute laser beam i didn't even think copley played poorly in this game i just thought the abs they got a lot of good fortune to go their way and sometimes you just need to do it. One of the things I tweeted after this game is you, you, sometimes you just have to find a way to win where nothing's going your way. Your stars are silent. They're being completely locked down by a good defensive system in L.A. And you just got to find a way to do it. Even if it is disgusting and vile, you just have to find a way to win these games. And that's what they did. And we're, we're going to get to the third period, which was by far the Avs' best period, and I, I genuinely thought they outplayed the Kings in the third. For the first time all game, I thought they had control. And, um, you know, if you're going to have a bad 40 minutes and your best period is the third, take it. That's fine. Yeah, Take it and run. So, yeah, I mean, the third period was like a roller coaster of emotions because you, you get it back, Brad Hunt scores that big goal, to put the abs up three, two, I believe it got tipped off Kopitar's stick. I think that's why Copley missed that. Um, and then shortly after that, Val Nachushkin is back to being the four checking monster. The play he makes on Deneau in the offensive zone here to get that puck to Dennis Mulgan is one of the reasons why Val Nachushkin will always work with this Colorado avalanche team, because he is just a four checking monster. Yeah. The, the play he makes here on Deneau outworking the guy behind the net. He gets the puck battle, gets it to Mulgan with a wide open cage. I mean, for Mulgan, the the heavy lifting is already done. He just has a a wide open net to shoot it in, which in January he might've missed. But now Dennis Mulgan is making these shots again. And all of a sudden the Avs have a four to two lead. And Val Nachushkin, even though the Avs were not playing great, Val was having himself a night, as he always does. Now that he is fully healthy and is playing consistently in the lineup again, the guy's in, in absolute machine right now this season playing at a point per game and a big problem to any team that the abs are going to face in the playoffs again which is terrible yeah we know what val Nutrition can do in the playoffs we literally just saw it last year like he is the man so the play he makes here is just so flipping good and i i just wanted to give him his flowers for that but the abs go up four two and you're thinking okay we're playing better maybe just Maybe we can just cruise to victory. Georgiev is playing solid. Like he hasn't let a bad goal in. 
And then Adrian Kempe again, like I completely agree with you. He is probably one of the most underrated players in the NHL. He's going to hit 40 goals more than likely. And this shot right here, the way he looks off Georgiev and just rifles it past his glove was one of the more disgusting goals we've seen in a long time. Yeah. Adrian Kempe is just so good. And this is 30 seconds after the Malgan goal where the, the vibes in this game were just so all over the place. Cause on first glance, that looks like a bad goal for Georgiev to give up, but it's just such an elite shot from Adrian Kempe. Like you said, looking off Georgiev gets the deflection off of Gerard's stick. And all of a sudden it's a one goal game again. And you've seen how well the Kings have been playing up to this point, but to the abs credit, from this point on, they played really solid defense. They only allowed nine shots in the third to the Kings and outshot them 12 to nine. And Gurjev had some massive saves, including another one on Kempe, which he had to use his head for, literally hits him right in the mask. The mask breaks and comes right off. And the game gets. Did you not get flashbacks of game six? Or was yeah. that game five? Yeah, I definitely got some flashbacks with, with Kemper. Yeah, with <laughs> like, I was like, just I was like, wait a second, is this really about to happen? Where our guy's going to get scored on with his mask off again? <laughs> yeah, so it happens more often than you think. But a big save on Kempe by Georgiev with his head, and the Avs they do a really good job at holding the Kings with the net empty, and they're able to seem like they escape for the most part, and then for some reason. With like three seconds left, Andrew Cogliano just throws a high hit on Kempe that Kempe. Yep. that just almost started a line brawl. He takes a penalty. Rantanen gets ejected. Kempe gets ejected. I really don't know what he was trying to accomplish with this because there was no... I think way- he was trying to lay the hit, but the way that Kempe was setting the puck down, because the puck was in the air, Kempe catch. It and he goes to set down. I think he just lowered his head right into his shoulder, like because ah. it, it didn't look great. It did not look like a great hit from Andrew Cogliano. But um, I I'm gonna give him the benefit of the doubt because Andrew Cogliano is the farthest thing from a dirty player. Uh, um, so the hit didn't look great, but I also think just the way Kempe was setting the puck down, I think it was just a perfect storm of a bad hit. Yeah, I mean. The way I think about this is how upset we were at Jeff Carter for what happened with Kale McCarr. I I have to look at this the same way. You have to be in control of your body and where you're throwing your shoulders and what you're hitting. Because I, I really didn't think Kempe put himself in that vulnerable position. And it was just a very strange hit to be laying at that point in the game. Obviously, you, you finish that check and you hit him. It just seemed like he raised his body up way more than he needed to on this play. And I really don't understand what he was trying to accomplish here. It was just a weird play all around. And Rantanen, like I said, gets sent off. Kempe gets sent off with misconducts for 10 minutes. And he ends up getting himself thrown into the box for four seconds with an illegal check to the head. Dursey also gets a roughing. So the game ends with a lot of ire. But the Avs pull it out and win this game over the Kings and officially have beaten every team in the Western Conference this season. Officially beaten every team. I will say the NHL uh, at least is consistent in the, the player safety because Andrew Cogliano didn't even have a hearing today. Well, for well, it, Andrew, so. Andrew Cogliano didn't even have the worst hit 
of last night yeah. where Brad Marchand took out, I believe it was Eric Halla on the Devils with an, an even worse headshot. Neither of them got hearings. The NHL to does be fair, not. it was Easter. George Peros was probably busy going to Easter egg hunts and all that shit. God so knows that man works. We have hard. to take that into account. God knows George Peros <laughs> just works so hard. That man has such a hard yeah. job for all of the six suspensions he hands out over the. Th- oh, his job's about to get even worse because the playoffs is where they decide they're going to suspend people like all the fucking time. So go up. For the playoffs, like the the player safety office has to be the least used building in NHL headquarters, especially during the playoffs. Anything that actually happens, he he's rolling out of bed and he's just on a phone call with the player, probably, and just being like, "Yeah, whatever." They said you should get suspended. Fine, unless it's Kadri, then he'll be one game. Yeah, yeah, but uh, yeah, I mean, I do not know how the Avs won this game. I mean. They legitimately had four scoring chances the entire game, and they scored on all four of them. That that's how they won this game. You can argue um, some of them weren't even scoring chances, like the the Malgin one. There, right. There's nothing on that. There's got to be. I wish I could look up like the expected goals for the Abs in that game because it can't be more than like two point three. There's I just would, no way it can be more than two point three. I certainly wouldn't think so. Like again, several of those. Several of those chances weren't even good chances whatsoever. No, they weren't. And somehow they won. And it's another big reason why they won that game is because of Alexander Georgiev. I think if you're an abs fan and you had any fears about him going into the playoffs, you you should just chill I, out. The only fear you have is that he hasn't played in the playoffs yet. Because everything he's shown you in the regular season has shown you he's ready. And also expected goals in this game for 4.7 for the Kings, 2.59 for the Avs. The deserve to win O'Meara has an 81.7% chance for the Kings to win that game after a thousand Sims. Not this time. The Avs find a way to get it done somehow. And with Georgiev, I have the utmost confidence in him. It's, it's that simple. There's he's shown me nothing. If anything, he's shown more than Temper and Grubauer have the last two seasons going into the playoffs, where his highs might not be as high as some of Kemper's were late in the season last year, but he's just more consistent. He gives them a chance to win every time he's in the net. Every time he's in the net, he gives them a chance to win. I mean, how how many stretches can you say Georgiev has been like bad and costing them games? I really can't think of more than five games this entire season. You're like, wow, Georgiev really just didn't have a good night and it cost them. Because there have been nights where Georgiev has been bad. But sometimes that's been the abs have been bad as well, so it didn't even matter. Right. I like The only game I can think of where he wasn't great was that Edmonton game where they rallied from like – three goals down they still won that game but he wasn't great in that game right and the the Habs game where they scored eight anyway so it didn't even matter at all like there, there yeah. was a couple in I believe November and January where he, he wasn't great but when the Avs have needed him to step up he has it's just been that I have no concerns about Georgiev going into the playoffs. If the abs can't get the job done in the playoffs, I would, I would be shocked to find out it's because of goaltending. If anything, it's going to be because he doesn't save them in the first period. Like he's done the past month and a half. Yeah. 
It's going right. to be. And I, I don't even blame Georgiev for that. No, not no, at that all. is because the team's bad in front of him. The only thing I can see is Georgiev doesn't save this team if they start having a bad night because he's done that a lot, especially in this King game. He saved them from not only getting points, getting two points in a game where they, they really had no business getting anything. They did not deserve to even get a point in this game and somehow they walk out with two. Um, But that leads into the question that I'm excited for because we talked about this off air and we actually disagree on this Um, with the loss. A lot of people disagree with me on this. Yeah. And they they should. With the loss. Yeah. With the loss, the Kings are only two points ahead of Seattle. Uh, I believe the Kraken have the game in hand on them. Uh, because they play the Coyotes today by the time you're listening to this. So right now, it's a real possibility that the Avs could face the Kings in the first round. If I'm going to be honest with you, I want nothing to do with this Kings team. I, I really don't. They are so good defensively. And if their goaltenders at least give them 9-15, I think they can win two series in this playoffs. I think their team's that good. Um and they've had the Avs number this year. Like the Avs should have lost all three games to them. They they should have. And they won one. And that scares the living hell out of me. But also, I can see where you're coming from. And you haven't even spoke yet. But last year, the Predators had the Avs numbers in the in the regular season. And we saw what happened in the playoffs. See, where I'm coming from is I agree with everything you just said about the Kings. The Seattle Kraken, I don't want in my life. I don't. I don't want anything to do with this team right now because the Kings are very good and the Kings are probably going to drag you to six or even seven if they can't outright beat you. But the Kraken, we've seen this a lot in the past with the team that just has the vibes around them where the Kraken would have nothing to lose in a series against the Avs whatsoever. They've already won in a series like that. They've already won by making the playoffs. If they win one more game, they hit 100 points in their second year. And everything the Kraken do in that series is history. Everything they do is not something that can be quantified as, oh, this team is better, this team is worse and everything. I agree the Kings are a tougher matchup and the Kraken are probably the best we can realistically hope for unless we win out and win the West. All I'm saying is be very careful what you wish for with the Kraken with four dangerous lines and a team that's not going to give a shit. The second they even are up one to nothing in any of these games, if they win even one, there's going to be a lot of dread put in your heart in this series because it's also a second year expansion team. The second this series is going to start to get close, you're going to start thinking, we're not actually going to lose to the the expansion team. Are we the second year expansion team? That's not really going to happen, right? They don't have any stars. They don't have any, we went on this run last year and that's exactly where they're going to thrive. We've seen it with teams like the hurricanes when they beat the capitals in 2019, the abs have been this team in the past going from last to the playoffs. And yeah, Nashville beat them. The abs, they took a piece with them where they really scared Nashville and Nashville played very brittle in the next round against the Jets, where I kind of almost want a box standard tough playoff series against the Kings that, yeah, you're really going to have to work to win that series. But 
it's not going to instill the same dread in holy shit that was way closer than it should have been because the Kraken are to me everything I really just don't want in my life in the playoffs. See, I look at it as the Kraken are just a slightly worse version of what the Kings are. Mm-hmm. Like, but also, but the also, Kings have they're also an expansion team and have everything they do historic. First goal, even their first game is historic. Their first home game is going to be historic. If you give them anything at all, the only way you come out of this series with a net positive is if you crush them entirely four or five games at maximum, because the second that series starts to get close, you're going to start holding your breath a lot more than you normally would. See, I get what you're saying, but to me, like, I think as Avs fans, we've got to prepare. The first round's not going to be as easy as it was last year. I think no matter who we play, whether it's L.A., or Seattle, or shit, even if we get to Winnipeg. Maybe not Winnipeg, but I, I think this first-round series is going six games. I just do. I mean, I we, mean... Also have to, we have to consider that since since we lost to Nashville, our first rounds, we are 12-2 and two in four series, where we exposed a fraud Calgary team, got to play Arizona in the first round the next year, and then we haven't... We're on a 10-game winning streak in the first round where we've won two straight series in sweeps and won the last two games against Arizona in the bubble. I think we kind of do have to prepare ourselves that that's not going to be the case this year where we just get to stomp on one of the worst teams in the playoffs. There's just no way. I mean, we also said this last year going into Nashville, but then UC Soros got hurt and it made things a little bit different. But I just the way... Do I think the Avs can win their first round series? Absolutely. 100%. If all of those guys come back that we think are coming back, this team is going to be a different team than the team we saw today. But I think the teams in the West got better this year. Like the West, the West is better this year than it was last year. And that's, we dogged on the West that the West has been so shitty like all year. But now you look at it, every playoff team is going to have 100 points outside of the Jets. Yeah. Like It's it's going to be seven to eight solid teams in the playoffs, not compared to last year where it was like, eh, like, do I trust Calgary? Do I trust Edmonton? Yeah, like, like there were good just, teams last year, but the West was very top-heavy where you had the Avs, Flames, and the Oilers. You knew that the Kings, they could give the Oilers a challenge, but they're probably not good enough to topple them yet. Once you get to the second round, things are probably going to get interesting, and that's exactly what happened. Now you have seven really good teams in the playoffs right now. And I want to also say that like, I completely agree. The Kings are the tougher matchup than the Kraken. I completely agree with that. The Kraken are probably the easiest matchup that we can get. All I'm saying is if that happens, you got to prepare yourselves for something that you are not going to enjoy at all. That series is not going to be very fun. Even if we win it, it's not going to be very fun. No, it's not going to be fun. And I just, oh man, I don't know. Like, I don't think my body's ready for the playoffs. Um, I'm not mentally ready for the playoffs. And by this time next week, we're going to know when we're playing. We we could be playing and recording afterwards. Like yeah, that. This, that's this time next week. We could be playing today. I certainly yeah. they wouldn't play us on Monday after we are one of the last four te- or the only playoff team to be finishing the season on Friday. Surely they wouldn't put us on Monday, right? 
I hope not, but they could, <laughs> depending on how the NBA schedule works out with playoffs, they could. So God, that's such a good point too, because we just talked about the Lakers and the Clippers and do you the really, Nuggets. You really want to be no, you really want to be dealing with that in LA right now oh, after yeah. we just saw. Fuck, that just destroyed my entire thing. Yeah. No, like I, I still get what you're saying. Like no, I, I, I do, but also the 1030 at night games with the shitty ice. Yeah. Well, maybe, and here's the thing not. too. You have to look at it. You have experience with this. You had the Caps lose to the Hurricanes. You had the Caps the first year. The Leafs were good with Matthews oh, yeah. and Marners. They the you could have made a case the Maple Leafs won, could have won that series. Five like they games, five games went to overtime, and the only one that didn't was a one goal game. They yeah. put the fear of God into the Capitals, and they played brittle against the Penguins, and only woke up when it was three to one. And you had it in 2019 with the Hurricanes, where the Caps could not kill them. They could not put them away. The Hurricanes kept coming back game after game after game. And eventually in a double overtime game seven, they won that series. Where you see a lot of the cases of, I just, I keep using the term, the vibe team, where you it's teams like the Hurricanes. Vegas was that team on crack, obviously, in their first year. A team like Toronto, where they don't always win that series. But even when you do beat them, unless you stomp them into the earth they take a piece of you with them and you're not the same team in the second round where you've you've lost a lot a little bit of confidence along the way where we really just got taken six or seven games by the the expansion team in the kraken and philip grubauer really and how how are we going to take down dallas where you're not saying that out loud but that's that's in the back of your mind where it's in the back of your mind i'm i i get where you're coming from but the Kings scare the life out of me more than the Kraken do. But like, I, will I say, think I will say this. If you beat the Kings, you just beat a really good team. Yeah. And you can carry that into the next round. Not a guarantee that you beat them. But beating them is a, a genuine thing worthy of celebration. Yeah, I, I, I agree. But it's just going to be unless the Abs can win the West, which after the results today and yesterday, they, they have a chance. They literally have to win every game and hope that the Knights lose one game to Seattle. But it's going to be a tough first-round series. And I'm – I don't know. Like, would you say last year – last year, like, you don't want to guarantee the team's going to win a cup. But I was so confident going into the playoffs last year. And this year, it's not that the Avs – uh, they've kind of done it. Like they just, we can admit they just don't have the same vibe. It's not the same team. Yeah. Last, last year, my attitude was if this team doesn't win, my faith in hockey as a whole is going to be shattered. That's where my nerves came from. It was like, if this team doesn't do it, I don't know what to do. I don't know how else you make this team better. And they're going to get worse because they're going to be losing guys after this. I have never seen a team so well constructed in my life. I don't know how they don't win. That's a perfect team. It's as close to a perfect team as you can get. And of course, this season you had Boston just break the wins record. But this year with the Avs, they've shown vulnerabilities and they've shown that they have weaknesses. There is a path for them to not make the Stanley Cup final where it's going to be a lot closer this year and a lot harder. I believe wholeheartedly that they can do it, but it's not going to break me. If they don't do it, if they, Oh, it'll break me. I can tell myself it's not going to break me. It's going to break me. It'll, it'll hurt, but I'll still believe in this team next year. And that like, if they, if they lost to St. Louis last year, 
in the way that it was shaping up to be, I don't know if we could have done this show. No, I, I would have been heartbroken. I would have like, like, what, what is even the point of any of this? Yeah. Like they can't do it this year, which it would hurt. And we would come on here and be very sad about it. But I, I can see how that would happen last year. I genuinely did not understand how they could lose. They couldn't. This year, you can see a path of how they lose. And I mean, of the four, would you say the cup window has been open for three years for the Avs so far? I'd three. say I mean, the, the first year against Calgary was. I don't of, count that one. I'm counting the know, I'm counting I mean. the, the bubble. That's what I mean, like kind of a miracle that you were able to knock off Calgary in the first round in the manner that you did and get that close against San Jose. Yeah. Bubble was year one to me. Bubble was year one. Year two, they lost to Vegas, obviously. And then year three, they win it. I would argue that outside of the first bubble team, this is probably the least talented abs team. Yeah. I mean, it's a pretty short sample size. And it's a pretty short sample size, but compared to where we were in the shortened season and last year, th- this team talent wise, and it's, it's the salary cap. That's the reason why these teams turn over so fast is because the good players don't get to stay. Although, did you see that thing about Nazem Kadri? He he is not like in Calgary right now. Well, I'm just saying, put it into the world. Uh, maybe that Nazem Kadri gets bought out by the Calgary Flames and he comes back to the Avs and signs for like one year, one million. I would take that. I mean, that'd be what, a 14-year captain <laughs> yeah. in Calgary? <laughs> if they Let they, me dream, Griffin. Let me dream. I mean, if they hate his 60-point season that much, they're, they are more than welcome to send him back here with open arms. Yeah. But, I mean, that, that would be it, but I, I don't know. I, I still feel good about this team going in. I think they can win a series or two, but I, I, oh, I fully believe this team can go to the Stanley cup final. I'm just saying that the path is there that I can see how that wouldn't happen. Where yeah. last year, if they didn't go at least to the final, I, I, I would have been despondent. Like yeah. the, the curses are real. And this team just can't do it. There's something wrong with the makeup of this team that with all that talent, you can't do it this year. It's like, I fully believe they're going to do it, but they've shown weaknesses that it would have taken so much last year for me to believe this team could be beaten four times by the same team. Even Tampa. I was like four times though. I think I said that so many times last year. Yeah. Four times you can beat this team once or twice Four. I don't see it. It's this, like the same way Boston is this year, right. where it's like, who's going to beat Boston four times? I, right. I just don't see it yet. Yeah, it's like as if it was a one-game playoff series, you could see Sorokin get oh, yeah. and steal a game for the Islanders against the Bruins. Four against this team right now? I, that's that's a tough sell. This is not... It's a tough sell. I just... I'm. It's just weird. We're totally going into this last year. Goaltending was our biggest like concern. This year, it's the total opposite. Goaltending is my biggest confidence going into the well, playoffs. Even last year, going into the playoffs, Kemper was one of the few bright spots going yeah. into, went into it so cold. I remember his game against Edmonton, Edmonton. Yep. of uh, <clears throat> April, I believe. or was It was April or May. I don't remember. But even still, it was he had an incredible game where the Avs played like crap. And we were saying, like, well, yeah, we don't even need to play that good if Kemper's going to play like this in the playoffs. Lasted, <laughs> he lasted two games before he went blind in yeah. one. And they have still found a way to have the best playoff run of the last 20 years. Yeah, it's going to be interesting. But to put a bow tie on it, 
I still would rather face Seattle. I get the point that you're making with Seattle. I I don't think you're wrong. Um, But I just think that Seattle is just a slightly worse version of what LA does. And I would trust LA's goaltending more than I'd trust Seattle's goaltending. And I, and I agree with you. I would, for the record, I would rather play Seattle than LA. LA is a tougher matchup and a team that, if things go right for them, if they get the three seed, could genuinely go to the Western Conference Final and you're matching up with them in round one. That is a tough sell. I am just saying, be very, very careful with what you are wishing for with Seattle because that will not be fun. Unless you destroy them, you will hate every second of that series. And also, this comes from personal bias. I don't want to play Berkey. That's as simple as that. I don't. He's coming want to, back, man. He's practicing again. But so I mean, I don't want to play Berkey, and also the Kraken are the only team in like the Western Conference that I can say I even like. So, How much would it break your heart to see the handshake line if the Avs beat Berkey? Like that would be the like saddest win. handshake. I can't line. win either way because what's the alternative? They lose. <laughs> yeah. I have to, and I get to see Berkey all happy going through that handshake line after beating us. Like no. Yeah, I, it I'm it's a lose lose for you. But so maybe that's where I'm coming from with this. Is like I'm gonna absolutely hate every second of this series in every way because. These are the kind of things that I hate. I hate the idea of being put in history forever, being the Kraken's first playoff win, their first goal, their first overtime game, their first overtime win, their first series win. Everything they do is history, and that stuff snowballs quickly. I'm just saying, yeah, easiest matchup, temper your expectations in that series it will not be easy and you will not have any fun. Could you imagine two months ago saying you'd rather face the Jets over the cracking than the playoffs? <laughs> can you imagine that? Yeah, crazy statement. But the you if you can find a way to play Winnipeg, oh my God, you need to do it. You need to take that right away. Imagine saying you'd rather play Connor Hellebuck than Philip Grubauer. Right. That's what I'm saying. It's gonna be crazy. But We'll save more of that talk as the season gets wind down at the end of next week. Let's uh, let's let's talk about this Anaheim game. Hey, everybody. Hope you've been enjoying this episode so far. Interrupting to bring you a word from our sponsor at DraftKings Sportsbook. From tee to green, the best place to go to get in on all the action happening on the links is DraftKings Sportsbook. This week, new customers can receive an odds boost to add plus 1,000 to any pre-tournament wager up to $10 on any golfer to win. So for example, if you are a new customer and you see a golfer to win the tournament at plus 1,000 odds, DraftKings will boost that golfer to plus 2,000 odds for your shot at a bigger payout. Plus, DraftKings will be featuring parlays and odds boosts all tournament long, so be sure to check the DraftKings Sportsbook app every day before the tournament starts to see what they have in store. So what are you waiting for? Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use promo code THPN and boost your odds during this week's tournament. That's code THPN only on DraftKings Sportsbook. Now, back to the episode. Um, Because it was the final game of this California road trip. The Avs had won nine straight road games going into this game. And I don't know about you. I did not have a good feeling about this game. I didn't. The Ducks had lost 10 in a row coming into this game. 
And I think I said on the last episode, the only thing that concerns me is you have to win eventually. It's really hard to lose 11 games in a row when you're actually trying. And the first period of this game, the Avs were the better team and a lot of power plays, but they only come out of it at one nothing on a goal from JT Comfort. The Avs had a lot of power plays in this first period, three of them actually, and back to back five on threes. Yeah, it was, it was brutal. They hit the post three times in this period, and it was the power play had been cold going into this game. You would think with how bad Anaheim is on the penalty kill that you would maybe get to juice those numbers, and eventually they would. They they would, but we'll, that we'll first period, but yeah, yeah, that first period was rough, man. Like just the amount of wasted opportunity you knew when they were talking on the broadcast, they're like, that's going to come back to bite you in the ass because you had a chance to be up three, nothing at the end of the first period. The ducks would have nothing to play for. Yeah. Like it felt like the kind of thing where if you get one of those goals, you bury the game. But if you get to the end of the period tied at one, the ducks are going to be like, no, we've lost 10 in a row. Right. Like we might as well try against the defending champs, but yeah, you had back to back, five on threes. And one of them after that was a four minute penalty for a high stick on Sam Gerard by Derek Grant. And they have just got nothing like definitely a top candidate for worst power play of the season. Like they didn't even come close. The ducks had better scoring chances than we did, but the abs also hit the reposts in the first period. They could have very easily taken a two, nothing lead and then a three, nothing lead after that. But it just wasn't meant to be. I honestly think like this is just a dumb hockey thought that because those power plays were back to back, they didn't get a time to like go see like what wasn't working. And so when they got out there for the last like minute and a half of the third straight power play, they're like, I, I, I don't know what to do. (laughs) Like, I, I wonder if that's legitimately a thing because that's how my brain would work. Like, Oh, I failed the first two times. You're not giving me any time to process what I need to do on the third. And I have to go back out there for the third one. I think, well, I think that might even just be the problem is just thinking so much where the abs, sometimes they just need to simplify the power play. You have so many good players, even when Kale McCarr is not there, you still have Devon friggin' Taze quarterbacking that power play. You could have much worse players quarterbacking your power play. Miko's still there. McKinnon's still there. And they just think so much. This team is always thinking, making the perfect play. And as we saw later in the game on the power play, just slow it down, slow it down, get it to your good players, let them one time it, crash the net. That's when it works. But in the first period like this, they are just thinking themselves into a corner and they come out of it completely empty-handed in a, a way that could have really cost them if they did not just keep getting power plays later in the yeah. <laughs> The Ducks, before we go much farther in this game, the Ducks went from trying to win this game to trying to lose this game. master very confused as to what their goal was in this game, because <laughs> this was also like the last gasp of a terrible team before the end of the season. And also one of the most blatant tank jobs I have ever seen where they get a point out of the game. And I don't really know what else they were trying to do because they just wanted the abs to tie this game so badly. It's like yeah. they definitely went up too. Yeah, it was crazy. Um, but like you said, first period was frustrating, but the Avs were the better team. Uh, you go into the second period, you knew the next goal was going to be important. And Miko Ranton just 
I, terrible defense by the Ducks. Like I, I would love to say Miko made a great move on this. I don't know what the Ducks defender was doing. He literally just let Miko walk right in front of the net, and Miko buries it for his fifty third goal of the year. Miko gets the abs that goal, puts him up two nothing. I thought it was going to be smooth sailing after that. I really did. I thought that was going to take the wind out of the sails for the Ducks. It did not. Uh, they did the opposite. The Ducks woke up. Um, Trevor Zegras is, I think, a fine player. I think he's a little slightly overrated. I, I think he's going to be good, but I, I don't think he's like this generational player. Um, he makes a great pass to Frank Vetrano, who has become just a sniper against the Avalanche. I don't know what this guy eats before when he plays the Avs, but um, he scores to make it 2 1. It was Frankie's first game back. I wouldn't say I loved his performance in this game, but he looked very much like a guy who had not played in two months. Yeah, uh, Frankie was bad in this game. I don't think I don't think there's any need to dance around it. The, when the Abs go up two to nothing, you get this goal from Vetrano, and then later in the second period, it's a breakaway. To be fair, for Adam Henrique that beats him to tie this game at two, but eventually the Ducks are up four to two before the midway point of the third period, and it's four goals on seven shots. That just cannot be the case. We're talking about expected goals against the Kings where the Avalanche dominated this game against the Ducks analytically, where they finished this game with a, you ready for this one, 95% chance or deserve to win meter because of the 5-1 to one expected goals in this game, where it was low danger chances for the Ducks. And Frankie, to his credit, just getting his legs underneath him, but the these goals, the, the Henrique one was fine. But other than that, these goals were not pretty. Yeah, I mean, it's tied going into the third period. You're thinking, okay, we just need to wake up. And they do a good job killing that penalty, but then they get pinned in their zone. And this goal, I don't know if Frankie just didn't see it. I know it. I don't even think it got deflected, right? They they said it still went to Vetrano again. You need a save there. You yeah. need it. And it, you go down 3-2. Then shortly after that, like the fourth one, I'm not going to blame Frankie as much as rebound control probably needs to be a little bit better, but Sam Gerard is trying to catch up on the play and ends up putting the puck in his own net. Um, Tough game for Gerard. Yeah. Not Sammy G's best game. Um, the haters will love it, but okay, they, they've been feasting these last two games. Yeah. I mean, it's just Gerard's not meant for these kind of minutes. He's no. not meant to be on the top pair. I think that is very, very clear that you, Sam Gerard cannot be used as a Kale McCarr replacement the same way Bo Byram can. No, he's just, I don't know what happened to that guy. I think we just saw his peak so early and we thought it was only going to get better. And it's really just kind of plateaued and even gone down a little bit. Um, I still like conspiracy theory brain think COVID ruined Sam Gerard. Because if I don't think if he ever gets COVID, I think he's still because he was so good when Kale McCarr was out in that first part of the 2021 season. It's, uh, it's so crazy how he's never even come close to that again. Ever. Like, and he's had a decent season so yeah. far. Set career high in points. Yeah. Especially from January on. Sam Gerard has been good. Just every once in a while he has a game like this where he just is not having a good night. And of course it ends with him doing the right thing and trying to box out in front of the net and the puck just goes right off of him and into the net. And it wouldn't have happened if he didn't do that, but he's still making the right play. Yeah. But it's just, it's just that kind of night for Gerard where nothing's going his way. Nothing's going right. So in the blink of an eye, the abs are down four to two in this game. And then that's when the 
Anaheim Ducks, I think, went out of their way to try and lose this game. Yeah, uh, they, they went out of their way. Uh, it starts with a trip that gives the Avs a power play. They score on it. Miko Rantanen gets his 54th, a beautiful pass by McKinnon, and his 100th point of the season. I believe it was, like you said earlier, it was McKinnon and Rantanen are the first teammates of Avs to have 100 points since Forsberg and Sackick. Uh, two Hall of Famers, so that's, that's pretty good company to keep. Um, and it's 4-3, and you're thinking, okay, like we, we've got like seven minutes now to get this last one. And the Ducks take another fucking penalty, man. Well, it's not even the last penalty. No, it's, it's not. Not even the last one. The first one was Zegris hooking Sam Girard. You get the goal from Rantanen. Max Jones trips Devontae's, and the Avs don't get anything on that. And then Derek Grant trips Nathan McKinnon and three straight power plays for the Avs in a the third period of a game that they kind of need to have and that the Ducks kind of need to not have in the Bedard race looks kind of suspicious. And the Ducks were not happy about a lot of these calls, but they weren't really giving the officials. No, they had no choice. Like, I would love to say this was bad officiating. I love ripping on the officials. All three of them were blatant penalties. Yeah, like two, two of them were trips that you would be insane to not call. Yeah, like if it was game six of the cup final, maybe you don't call it. But it's a regular season game. These refs, if that goes by, it's just ridiculous. And the ads in this game with eight power play opportunities. Eight. <laughs> it's ridiculous. Uh, and before this third period, they were over. They were 0 for going into it, and they scored two power play goals. Nathan McKinnon gets the game-tying goal on just an absolute fucking snipe. Like, I know Ovechkin is the king of the one-timer on the power play, but I think McKinnon's in second. Like, it's the most predictable shot, but it somehow is still unguardable. It's funny because you could argue he's not even very good at it compared to (laughs) a lot of guys on the power play, but he just does it so much, and he's just such a good player that eventually he's just going to nail one, just like he does in the third period here to tie the game at four. His 38th goal of the season, Ranson, his third point on the night as he hits 100 points on his goal for 54 goals on the season and 100 points. He'll finish the night with 102 on that. We were talking about, oh, is he going to get 100 all? He's going to lap around it before the end of the season. And all of a sudden, the apps have pulled this game out of the fire down 4-2 with 13 minutes to play because, again, the Ducks just decided they did not want to win this game. They did not want this game whatsoever and paraded themselves to the box. And you get to overtime, tied at four. The Avalanche, no matter the result, will retain the lead in the Central, no longer with the game in hand. But thankfully, they got more than one. It was a very dominant overtime for the Avs. They get the bulk of the chances they just can't finish. And then I really don't know what Frank Vetrano is doing on this play. And Me either. I, I saw a lot of people that being like, this is a bad call. I don't know what you're doing here where you don't need to see that Evan Rodriguez is behind you and like throw yourself back into him, like back of your head first. And I love the people saying Erod Dove. There is, unless he is a psychic, there is no possible way he saw that coming enough to be like, ah, yes, here is my time to sell. 
there is no way he saw that. He probably fell because he was shocked. Like, yeah, like why are you stopping in the middle of the ice, dude? Like, yeah. you don't even have the puck. I get it. If Vertrano had the puck, he didn't have the puck. It's like, not even just that he stopped. He, like, threw his head back into him. Yeah. It's one of the most bizarre penalties I've ever seen. I honestly thought when they called it, I thought they were just going to be like, we've given the app so many power plays, you're getting two for embellishment. Like, I really thought they were going to do that. I, just honestly, because. I thought that was going to happen, too. But, like, again... This was a very weird play, and yes. one that I'm like, you kind of have to call that. This, I really don't think the or the refs were in a hurry to give the Avs an eighth power play. No. But, dude, come on. You're doing it in the middle of the ice where they're, they're all looking at you. You stop, and again, throw yourself back into him. It's not like he just stopped. He did that with the intention of hitting him. He yeah. knew he was there. I don't understand it at all. I don't either, man. It was a very weird play, but the Avs get another power play in overtime, and Nathan McKinnon gets his 39th of the year for the game-winning goal. And like you said, the Avs miraculously win this game. They they went from dominating this game to being down by two goals to coming back and winning in overtime. I know there were a lot of Dallas and Minnesota fans who were very upset that the Ducks blew this game. Who fucking who? <laughs> no, I'm just, yeah. I, I agree, but also it's like that I've been there as a fan where it's like you're cheering for a team to lose and they go down by two and you're like, let's fucking go. We're going to get it. And somehow the Avs pull that game out. The only thing that we could look back on next week if things don't go our way is if you did, since you didn't win this game in regulation that could come back to bite you in the ass. I think it's already kind of starting to get too late on that front with Dallas. They have, I believe, two more regulation wins than we do. At yeah, this... but you look at those two with San Jose going yeah. to overtime in this one. That's what I mean. I, I agree with you. Like, I think at this point, it's too late. Even if you Fair. went out, you need you need your last three to be regulation wins. Or Actually, you just need two because you have the regulation overtime tiebreaker at yep. 43 to 40. So you'd need to win two in regulation and hope that Dallas does not get any. So realistically you need all three and hope that Dallas only wins one in regulation to have that tiebreaker. Yeah. But that's like the only concern you can have. Honestly, this was a gutsy win. Like yeah, we, should mention, we should also mention McKinnon scored the goal to yeah. win the game. In no, a, I said that I said it's 39th. Yes. 39th of the season on the power play. Set up by Taze and Ranton. Ranton finishes with four points in the Avs. In a back-to-back where you can make a realistic argument that they should have gotten zero, get four. It was a gutsy win. Like This team could have easily folded going down by two, but they were gifted some power plays. They took care of those chances. And they walk out of California a perfect four for four, which is just absurd. Yeah. Uh, if you and... throw the San Jose games in there, a perfect eight for eight. What, wait, oh, eight points. I was saying the four games and told my brain's fried, dude. Wow. My brain is fried. We're, um, right, we're right with the four for four, four for four points. Yeah. Four for four, four for four. That's for eh. There That's we go. Four. Yeah, it's late at night. but <laughs> I love this show. Um, the, the Avs take a two-point lead in the Central Division. They don't have the games in hand anymore. Uh, I believe Dallas plays tomorrow. I forget who they play. Uh, it's not a good team. I know that for sure. Dallas would have to play. Dallas has three games left against Detroit, and then they finish with a home and home against St. Louis. So Detroit I, could be frisky. 
Detroit uh, risky. They're a team that has done a little bit lately. They beat Toronto. They beat Montreal. They lost in a, a literal shootout seven to six to Buffalo and got beat up pretty bad by Pittsburgh. You know, talk about a tough schedule. Dallas, Carolina, Tampa for the Red Wings to end the season. Yeah, not great. But I you realistically cannot rely on any of those two for help. Where Detroit, maybe St. Louis, maybe maybe one. Maybe, maybe they're playing for pride at that point. It's a back-to-back. It's a home and home. We've seen crazier things happen. I think you can see in in situations like this. I always think that they're they're gonna they're gonna win all three and they're gonna get all of those points, which would put Dallas at 108, and the Abs right now are at 104. And if Dallas gets the tiebreaker, you need five points to clinch the division. So you need, if Dallas wins all three, you'd need to go 2-0-1 to clinch, which is not easy because you're playing Edmonton, the hottest team in the NHL right now at 9-0-1 in their last 10 and on a massive win streak. And then you're playing Winnipeg, who could very well be playing to clinch. And if they beat the abs in that game, they very well could clinch a playoff spot because Right now they're at 91 and Calgary is at 90. Winnipeg has the game in hand and Nashville is at 88, three points back, no games in hand. And so Winnipeg, if they do win their previous game, which I'm not entirely sure who it is against, but if San I, Jose, San Jose, which hasn't always hasn't been, been good to them. Yeah. Hasn't always been easy for them. They play Minnesota as well before that. So there's a chance Winnipeg could lock up before that, but they need to win out and get help. So realistically, that's their last game of the season. That's probably a win and in for Winnipeg. And if you do beat Winnipeg, there is still a chance that Nashville, if they do well in their final few games, even though they're three points back, if they get some help, that could be a win and in for Nashville as well. They have Calgary. That's a massive game for them after they got shut out by Winnipeg on Saturday. And then the day before they play Minnesota, they finish their back-to-back against the Avs on the last day of the season. If they win all three of those and they get some help from the Jets, like say we beat the Jets, that could also be a win and in for Nashville. So there's no guaranteed two points coming here for any of these games. Nope. And I am, I'm cautiously optimistic. I think that's the right word. Uh, I feel good like Edmonton's playing good hockey, but the abs are playing good hockey too. I mean, they're eight, maybe like nine, nine Oh and one in their last 10 now too. The uh, abs are eight and two in the eight last and two, game, but they've won so, five in a row. Yeah. So, I mean, they're, they're just as hot. We've seen Edmonton against Colorado this year. It, it really, it comes down to if Kale McCarr plays in this game, I think we beat Edmonton. If Kale McCarr doesn't play and Bo Pyram doesn't play, we could lose legitimately eight to two. Yeah, if the abs are not healthy for this game, my expectations are not high because the Oilers, they're still playing to win the Pacific and they're still playing to win the West. I mean, their season is far from locked up. They're locked up for home ice because of the abs win over the Kings. The Kings cannot catch them or Vegas. So the Kings will start the playoffs on the road and Edmonton's guaranteed to start in Edmonton. But this is a genuinely like massive game. Because, like, yeah, we're not fighting each other for our divisions, but if all goes well, whoever wins this game and wins out, they could win the West if they get some help from Vegas. And if these two meet in the Western Conference Final, that could be a one- or two-point swing that determines who gets home ice. Yeah, it's a four-point game, and I completely agree. If the Avs are not even, like, 
if Bo Byram's back, I give them a little bit more of a chance. But if Bo Byram and Kale McCarr are both out, we could legitimately lose eight to two. Like it, it's just that's nothing against Curtis McDermott and Jack Johnson and Ooh. Brad Hunt. But they are not going to slow down Connor McDavid and Leon Dreisaitl. They're not even going to come close. You're going to need some bodies to come back for this game. And it's also a question of, do you risk Kale McCarr in this game at this point? I don't think you do. And at least Bo is sick and could be better before Tuesday. But with how uncomfortable Kale has looked, and you're already not playing him at this point in the season, is it really that important? to throw him back out there for this. And even even if you do lose this game, and that eventually does give Dallas the division, you still would rather have a, a feeling better Kale McCarr against Minnesota than a banged-up Kale McCarr against Seattle. Healthy Kale McCarr is the only thing I need. Like that's, that, that's the key. And he'll know better than anyone. I, I just... I think Avs fans should prepare themselves. If Kale McCarr and Bo Byron don't play, this game could get ugly. Like Georgiev is going to need to have another type performance that he had against LA, except against Connor McDavid. Well, I mean, at least the Oilers aren't like chasing milestones anymore. McDavid yeah. at a hundred and fucking 50. Be- he may be still chasing goals with the way Pasternak scored, man. <laughs> Pasternak had a hat trick today. It's like, I don't think, I don't think we're giving McDavid enough attention for just how ridiculous this is that we haven't seen a 150 point season since Mario Lemieux. Yeah. And McDavid just did it. And everyone's like, yeah, well, we knew that was coming. <laughs> it's just we expected. It's also really funny when you look at 150 point seasons in the NHL because the top eight are just Wayne Gretzky. Wayne Gretzky, yeah. <laughs> like 200 point seasons where he has like 160 assists and whatever. And you, you have not seen a player break into that club since Mario Lemieux. And where it's with McDavid, like, yeah, well, is he going to hit 100? Well, he, he did it at like 4 p.m. against San Jose, so no one really cares. He did do that, but still, we're going to look back on this and wonder why maybe we didn't discuss this maybe a little more in the moment because he's kind of playing at a ridiculous level right now. Yeah, he is, and that's what scares me about this game. So I don't know. I'm I'm just going to lean on the side if we're going into predictions. I I, I think the Avs lose this game. I really do. It's the same thing. Like, we've beaten Edmonton twice. Edmonton blew those games. Oh, yeah. Both of them against the abs they the abs were at their weakest point at, at that point in the season in their first game against edmonton down two to nothing and brad hunt massive goal scorer uh, the oilers let them back into that game oilers were up three to nothing on the abs in their last meeting they blew that game it's really tough to beat a team three times it's always the mantra is like really tough to beat a team three times Could unless- you imagine beating the oilers seven straight times going back to the playoffs yeah, like it's just yeah, even if the Oilers win this game, they're gonna get all super cocky. It's like, wow, yeah, your seventh try, like, you with, no, with no Kale McCarr, you finally were able to squeak one out. Yeah. Congratulations, you're on the board. Yeah, that that's where it's gonna be. I just the Avs have been getting too lucky in these past couple games. Like yeah. their luck has to run out, and it's just I don't see this game going well. I re- I really don't either. If you can find a way to get a point out of it and also remember both of those Edmonton games went to overtime yes or anything can happen also again add a little bit of luck our way in those games too if you if you can get three straight games of luck against Edmonton and three straight games in general of getting some luck your way I will take it 
But right now, the Oilers are the hottest team in the NHL. They are not showing a lot of flaws at the moment. They're 9-0-1. Their last loss was to Vegas in overtime, and then they beat Vegas badly the next time they played them. See, the if- only chance the Avs has of is, is if Jack Campbell plays. Yeah. And you know, with the way the Oilers do, they might just play Jack Campbell for some reason. But Stuart Skinner's playing well for them. And you look at their last several games, ever since their last win against Vegas, 2 nothing over the Oil- or over the Kings, 6 nothing over Anaheim, 3-1 over the Kings, 3-1 over Anaheim, and 6-1 over San Jose. I know we don't want to admit it with the Oilers. They're playing good right now going into the playoffs and they're not giving up a lot of goals. They're getting goaltending and they're getting defense too. And it's not just the McDavid and Dreisaitl show, which sucks because those two are having the best seasons of their Leon Dreisaitl is having the best season of his career. And people know what's talking about it. (laughs) People are actively disrespecting him. He's a power play merchant, bro. Power play merchant. He has 124 points. I don't care if they're all on the power play. First of all, it's 60 points on the power play, which is a lot. That's less than half still. He's still scoring 64 points at even strength, which is not as much as McKinnon, but it's still fucking up there. Can you give the guy a little credit? Yeah, he's he's good. I, I don't want to give him too much credit because I fucking hate the guy. But, know, yeah. but like at a certain point, he's having a phenomenal. He's also yeah. shooting 20% still, but that's crazy. Still, like the guy is having a phenomenal season, like 124 points, and anyone is gonna go online and have the gall to say anything negative of it. It's on the power play. Who gives a shit? Yeah. <laughs> Every He's scoring a lot of goals. Plays. It's not Dreisaitl's fault that the Oilers right now have the best power play we've maybe ever seen. I feel like it might be a big part of that. Yeah, it, it's going to be – I don't want to admit it, but yeah, the Oilers are probably like one of the teams to beat in the West, if not the team to beat right now. Um, but we'll have to wait and see. I, I don't know. That game's going to be either awesome or just so, so bad. Yeah. So, so it, bad. It could be the kind of game where it's just like I'm not going to look at Twitter. Yeah, for the rest of the day, I'm going to go do literally anything else with my time. Right. That's kind of where it's at. But um, that's the preview we did. There was news that came out as we come to the end of the show. Uh, Elliot Freeman reported yesterday. There's no like Gabe Landeskog's not going to play in the regular season. Like that was the worst kept secret of all time. We we all kind of knew that. Um, But. There is some concern because what Bednar said today was he's still not skating with the team. And I think it legitimately brings into question, like I, for the first time all year, I do have some concern that Gabe Landeskog may not play at all this year. Yeah. I, you have to be at that point right now where we're talking by the time this episode is out, which is probably in 30 minutes, like right now, I'm going to have to edit this very quickly when we're done, but we're a week away from the playoffs and we're talking that Landeskog has not been skating with the team. He's been skating with the team, but like not seriously, where at a certain point you might want to ramp up a little bit before the playoffs, unless you're just not at that point yet. I would be very pleasantly surprised to see him play in game one of the playoffs. Cause it just, it just doesn't seem like it's getting to that point right now where it doesn't seem like a lot of progress has been made since we've started hearing him come back on the ice, which begs the question, what the fuck happened 
Like, no what idea, happened, man? man? Like, what, like, did did your muscles fall out and they're growing them back with stem cells? Like, what's going on? Yeah, I have no idea, man. It's just like, what is this injury that went from a three month timeline from when you had the surgery to now we're at almost six, seven months, and he may not play at all. Right, and we're, we're talking about Gabe Landeskog potentially yeah. missing playoff games. Like, what is this injury and? What has happened to the point yeah. where we're talking, it's a surgery, cleaning stuff up. We're uh, pessimistically, he'll be back in late January to he's not going to come back at all. At, like at a certain point, like we're going to talk about next season as well. Is he going to be back for game one next season? Is Gabe Landeskog ever going to be the same? This like apparently career altering injury that he has not been close to coming back from all year. It's- yeah, I, I it, it worries me, man. Like I, for the longest time, if you've been listening to the show all year, we've talked about the fact that he's going to be back for the playoffs. Now it's like, I don't know if he's going to be back. And it's not like the abs are in a cap crunch where it's like, he has to stay on LTIR. It's just not the case. Like it's This just... is not a, this is not a Kucherov. This is like, no. this is genuine concern as to if this guy is going to play. And I'm starting to wonder if he does play, is he risking like, career altering by forcing himself to do that because weird like we really don't have a lot of information on what's happened i doubt we're ever going to until probably the end of the season if he does play it's just been such a weird situation and we've just been talking up all year oh but when they get landiscog back though the first game that gabe's back when this team gets gabe back though they're just going to be so good I think we might have to start preparing ourselves for the possibility, not the guarantee, the possibility that maybe Gabe Landeskog's not walking through that door. I, 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 I completely agree. I don't want to admit it, but I, I think we have to start having that conversation because it is concerning. We're a week away from playoffs and he's still not practicing with the team a week away. Like that cannot be understated a week away from the playoffs. Like this is not some far off fairy tale of Gabe Landeskog would be ready for the playoffs. It's like it's in a month. That's so far away. So much can change in a month. It's a week. I am also going to laugh so hard that by the time Tuesday in the Avs practice or do morning skate, you're going to see a video of Gabe Landeskog participating in it. Like that's just. I'm I'm sure they're going to ramp up before the playoffs and just see where he's at, but it's hard to not be concerned right now with the information we have available. Yeah, I completely agree. So I, I don't know. I've just kind of like, it's weird. I've gotten used to the fact that Gabe Landeskog hasn't been playing, but I just, I'd never really occurred to me until that report came out last night that he may not play at all in the playoffs. It's right. like, cause if we're not talking game one, are we going to be talking not round one? Is he going right. to one of the playoffs? And then if we do get out of round one, are we talking, is he going to be back for round? Like how long are we going to keep having this conversation before he just comes back? It's, it's very, it's very frustrating. It's no one's fault. It's obviously not Gabe's fault. I don't think anyone expected this to happen. I don't think there's any ill will from Bednar Landeskog or the medical team or anything like that, that are like hiding this information. I think this has just been a fucking nightmare for everybody involved. And there's nothing Gabe Landeskog wants to do more than come back and play. But there's probably been some setbacks along the way. And apparently this is a very serious injury. And if that's the case, then maybe he shouldn't come back. Like we've, we've still got what 
five more years of this contract. Yeah. Maybe it's better if he just doesn't and we just see what we can do without him. Like that it's worst case scenario. But if he comes back and does something to that in the playoffs, we're having this conversation again, again. next year. Like, is that really truly worth it? Yeah. I I will say I think that the Avs are not going to allow Landis Cog back unless he is a hundred percent because of that situation you just brought up right there. Well, it's also well, the, the language that Bednar has been using is that like, unless he tells me he's ready to go, he's not playing in the regular season. Yeah. And that's also, I think very telling because it's Landeskog saying he's not ready. Yeah. And you, I, you... I think there is some realization. I think winning the cup last year helped because if it's obviously the abs didn't win last year, you know, for a fact, he'd be back. Yeah. But for the longevity of his career, like we, like you said, we still have five more years of this contract. Like he needs to be a hundred percent and we cannot do the same parade again next year. We just can't. Yeah. And also, even if we don't, is it the kind of injury that slows you down for the yeah. rest of your career kind of thing? And you have a harder time using a lot of the skill that Gabe Landeskog has and you limit yourself to being a net front presence, which he is very good at. I don't have a lot of concern with that with Gabe because of his, Joe Pavelski-like ability in front of the net to clean people out, deflect pucks, and just give you some disgusting goals in front of the net. That is always going to age well, but the Avs are a transition team, and you need to have your legs for that. And with Gabe, I know he's doing the right thing for himself, and I trust in Gabe Landeskog to make the smart decision for both himself and for the team, because I think he knows that at a certain point, he's not going to be any help to the team if he's not in the correct state. Right. And if he's going to be skating at 50, 60%, he might as well not be playing at all. You're doing more damage to yourself and to the team at that point. Like if the Avs want to go the full Stamkos route where they just waited out and he's just a cheerleader on the bench, I don't think we have enough depth to do that this year. Um but it's going to be interesting to see. There's still a lot of stuff that's going to happen in these next week and a half before the playoffs. A lot of stuff. And I, I'm just interested to see what happens. I really am. Yeah. I just There's so much up in the air right now. We have no idea what next week is going to bring. Zero. It's a very interesting end of the season, and we're, we're getting down to it. The Avs only have three games left to go. A big one against the Edmonton Oilers, and they're going to finish with a back-to-back of the Winnipeg Jets and the Nashville Predators. And there's a lot to work out in the NHL. I mean, you could not have asked for, for better wild card playoff races at the very least. A, a lot of the top threes are very locked up outside of the central. You have one, two, three in the Atlantic completely locked down Carolina, New Jersey, and New York are in a pretty interesting race. Like it's only three points between Carolina and the Rangers at the moment. So that could almost be anyone's division, even still with only two games left. Florida, New York, and Pittsburgh, the Islanders, I mean, are all within a point of each other and are going to fight it out until the very last game for all of the wild card spots. Seattle's locked in now, but Winnipeg had a big win against Calgary. They're looking to be in a pretty good, or I'm sorry, a big win against Nashville. And they're looking like they're in a pretty good spot to get the second wild card, but it's not over yet. And Calgary, after losing to Chicago, beat Winnipeg and then lost to Vancouver. So who even knows with the Flames at the moment? But there's still a lot to still be worked out. 
We're down to, I think, three possible playoff opponents. I think Dallas has taken themselves out of first-round opponent conversation unless Minnesota just runs the gauntlet and both the Stars and the Avs don't do well in the last week. Then we would play the Stars, but it's down to if you don't win the division, you're going to start at home against Minnesota. If you win the division, you're probably going to play Seattle because even still – Yes, Seattle has the game in hand and controls their own destiny, but we kind of didn't talk about their schedules. L.A. has Vancouver and Anaheim. Pretty good chance they win both of those games. Seattle has Arizona and then Vegas on the second half of a back-to-back and then Vegas again to end the season. So if Seattle wins all three of those games, we'd play L.A. if we win the division, but they'd need to beat Vegas twice. And Vegas is still playing for things. And Vegas is still trying to lock up the West and lock up the Pacific. I have a hard time seeing Seattle win both unless Vegas just completely crashes. So LA is a possibility. And it's still a possibility to play Winnipeg, but it's it's not as high. So it kind of seems like it's almost down to Minnesota and Seattle. Yeah, I'd agree. So we'll have to wait and see, but... I, I can't wait for it, man. We're getting to that beautiful time of the year where I lose even more hair on the top of my head and I go, th- yeah, I go through, left, man. yeah, I go through five panic attacks a day, but uh, it's the best time of the year and I can't wait for it. Yeah. We're, we're getting to the point of the season where I realize I don't have a lot of hair left to lose. <laughs> and I appreciate the Anaheim game, at least a little bit. I got to practice a little bit of my playoff routine yep. of just pacing yep. a lot. Just, I stood up to watch that, like that last power play. Oh yeah, like just an uncomfortable amount of pacing. Like if I if I was in public, I'd have people like moving away from me because I just I know I look crazy, <laughs> and I can't I can't wait. It's the kind of thing where it's like this is going to be a horrible experience, and I'm going to enjoy every single second of the playoffs because I'm a masochist and I enjoy torturing myself again. But it's going to be a lot of fun. Still a lot to work out with only three games left in the regular season and only five days left of the regular season. Still plenty of things left to settle in the NHL. And in a week's time, we're going to be talking about playoffs and who the Cavs are going to play. We're going to be having a whole lot of of series preview stuff and everything for whoever the Avs end up playing. So a lot of stuff still coming down the line, but the Avs go 3-0 and in this stretch. And Christian, unless you've got anything to drop on us, I think we're ready to send these people on their merry way. Uh, I I felt old for the first time. I was right before the game taking my dog out, and I missed a step, and it was a full yard sale down the last two steps. I I, I legitimately injured myself. Um, so just be careful. Make sure you're, you, you watch where you're stepping. Um I legitimately hurt myself, dude. It, it was bad. I, I was like on the floor for like five seconds. Just like, did that really just fucking happen, man? Like I are fell you, down the fucking stairs. Are you like, um, are you good? Like, you oh know. yeah, I'm totally fine. Like it's just my ankle hurts. Um, like, and I, I have a hydro flask and I was carrying it down to fill it up. And I just, it sounded like a car crash because of how many times that thing bounced on my hardwood floors. Um, but yeah, just be careful. Don't fall down stairs like me. Uh, because yeah, it sucks. Yeah, as you as you get older, those stairs become a much bigger. Right, man. I'm not even thirty yet, and the stairs are becoming a trouble. But uh, use the guard. Yeah, it's use always the guard. good to laugh at yourself a little bit uh, before a game. So that made use me the guardrail from now on. Yeah, yeah. I might need the little chair that pulls you up the the, yeah, the stairs. Yeah, that you can buckle myself in. I mean, yeah. you, you can never be too certain, you know. Right. 
I'm not doing the show alone. So if you, if you, if you fall down some stairs, oh, this whole podcast is freaking. Yeah, I'm, we'll, I'm we'll be good. I'll make sure I'll to watch my you. step. I'll buy you a chairlift. Just because <laughs> you know we make a ton of money on the show. Totally, just, totally just ridiculous amount of money that I hope the IRS just doesn't find out about as we get the tax. <laughs> but yeah. Think we're ready to wrap this one up. Thank you all so very much for tuning in to another edition of the Tell It As It Is podcast on the Hockey Podcast Network. Use promo code Tell It As It Is on SeatGeek for $20 off your first order of $50 or more. If you want to follow us on Twitter, you can follow me at G Young's NHL. You can follow Christian at Christian underscore belay, and you can follow the show at Tell It As It Is. But again, thank you all so very much for tuning in, and we will catch you all next time. But until then, Let's go abs.